0: Thank you for listening to this talk produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia. Welcome everybody. It's lovely to see such a big crowd here for this lunchtime talk and my apologies for the slight delay but I've been bringing some treasures out of the print store to add to what you're going to see today so I hope you'll um, be pleased to see those. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Julie Robinson and I'm the Senior Curator of Prints, Drawings and Photographs at the Art Gallery. And today I've got the uh, pleasure to speak about this group of works here on this wall by the Australian artist Fred Williams. They're a group of eight landscape etchings which have been generously donated to the gallery by Fred Williams' widow, Lynn Williams. They're called Murray River Panels and they date from 1972. Now, Fred Williams is one of those artists who is very hard to talk about. There's so much you can say. He's so well known as one of the most significant Australian landscape artists, or the most significant Australian landscape artist of the 20th century. Um, But today, I, I do want to focus on these prints and I want to focus on the story they... ..the particular story they tell that's so relevant for us in Adelaide. Fred Williams was born in 1927 and his landscapes really date from the late 1950s right up until his death in 1982. And... He strove to capture the essence of the Australian landscape by exploring new perspectives and reducing nature to its elemental forms. And I would also draw your attention to not just these works in this room but this amazing painting, so just near you there, um, which is on loan from a private collection, which is a, a stunning masterpiece of his, of his paintings. You will also see another wonderful painting by Fred Williams on display in Gallery 6, The Floodbound bl- flood Cattle, so have a look at that. So Fred Williams was based in Melbourne and he travelled to various landscapes, uh, for uh, various landscapes, different regions I guess, for his paintings. A lot of them were in Victoria and uh, day trips that he could do. But these works here we're thrilled to add to the collection because they add a South Australian dimension to his story. Um, These are works that were created in South Australia and in fact they're the only South Australian series that we know of. I'll say a little bit about his printmaking too. He had a great passion for printmaking which continued... Uh, From the time that he discovered printmaking in the 1950s when he was in London, he spent four years in London studying and um, learning, uh, studying at the Chelsea School of Art and the Central School of Art in London, and um, there he learnt printmaking and when he was instantly fascinated with the process. And I think you would describe him as a very intuitive and expressive printmaker, in that um, He loved to get his hands dirty. loved to be touching the plates and working out what sort of effects you could get with the plates. Um, For those of you who are not aware, with an etching, I should just say from the outset, you work with a metal plate. And so all of these prints here are created using a zinc plate. And for the artist to make various markings... Through um, etching these plates in acid, using other tools, and where he has, and that creates indentations in the plate, and where uh, that those indentations are, that is the area that is inked and then printed. Um, I can tell you more about that later, but I just want you to know from the outset that these works are made, printmaking, etching plates. Um, And when he was in London and he first discovered this process, he was very inspired by um, the great European printmaker Goya. You you might have um, seen many of his etchings in our collection. And at at his time in London, Fred Williams was interested in figurative subjects. He was exploring London scenes and music hall scenes, and these had um, a lot of correlations with, the imagery that you find in Goya's uh, Caprichos, particularly. Anyway, what happened after he discovered printmaking and uh, then returned to Australia in the late 1950s, he immediately upon his return decided he was going to be a landscape artist and um, paint the Australian landscape, the Australian gum trees, and his great friend John Brack, also an artist, I'm sure you're aware of his work, sort of uh, teased him about this and said, oh, you know, you're not going to be a landscape, that's so old hat, you know. But um, but Fred was insistent and he presented this new way of approaching the landscape, new way for us of seeing the landscape. Um, it was really remarkable. And these explorations of the landscape were carried out in tandem in his painting practice and his printmaking practice. So these two practices uh, were parallel and interrelated and they um, cross-fertilised each other right throughout his career. So you'll often find, you know, you might find one time he made his prints of a particular landscape first and then his paintings or vice versa. Um, And each of them, there's not this... um, Copying across media. They're very distinctive, and he's very responsive to the way he handles paint and how that makes the landscape look, or the way he, he handles a fairly black and white medium of printmaking and uses different mark making to make a different statement about that same landscape. I'm just sorry. So these these, um, etchings relate to murals, a mural commission that Fred Williams received for the Adelaide Festival Centre in 1972. Now, are you all familiar with those murals? Yeah? Okay. I will just pass around, for those that aren't familiar, some images of these murals that you can have a look at as we speak. Um, yeah, I might just hold one up just to show you. He, no, sorry, I might just hold them up for a moment. Yeah. Um, just that he was given this mural commission and as you can see, it's a very two very large walls that he had to cover and he was had just over a year to go from concept to the finished works for in time for the opening of the Festival Centre. And it was something that he um, spent a lot of time thinking about and um, ex- exploring different ways of how he might um, represent the landscape in this setting. I think it's un- it's stands out in that it's not a single image. He had two sites. It's not a single image. And he chose this uh, unusual format of um, strip paintings on each side with a central painting in the middle. And at one point he experimented with a quite a vertical painting for the middle. Can we just look at the other one too? Um, and in this this section here, he did um, four strip paintings together. Um, quite a unique way of doing it. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, yes, pass them around. So he, he was commissioned to produce these paintings in April 1972, and they were opened they were completed in May 1973 in time for the opening of the Festival Centre on the 2nd of June 1973. Now, as I said, these were unusual in their concept for the way he's presented the landscapes here. When they were launched and the, the Festival Centre was opened, they did receive uh, a fair bit of criticism. There they they were people who were critical of his approach. They were also... Some of his... Um, Uh, supporters were surprised at the colour that he had introduced into those landscapes, and I guess if you compare them to this work, this very sparse, minimal work from 1969, they they introduced a new new aspect to his work, rediscovering colour and using it in a particular way. For this commission, Fred Williams was really up against time, and also distance. It was a very busy time in his life. He was at a period of his career where he was requested to be on various boards, and he was on the Visual Arts Board of the Australia Council, and he was also on a Commonwealth Art Advisory Board, which became um, the acquisitions committee for the uh, newly... The, National Gallery of Australia, which was not yet... Um, it was just being formed. And in this, this year, he had to go to at least 20 meetings um, interstate and overseas. So his time for painting was quite limited. But he, he was um, very keen to do a South Australian subject and he ri- originally wanted to go to the Flinders Ranges and um, we can only uh, imagine what he would have done with the Flinders Ranges' subject matter. Um, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with what he produced. He in, in, t- in the end, he went to the Murray River and he's created these remarkable works, but there's part of me that always wants to know what he would have made of the Flinders Ranges. So these paintings, the... The um, working drawings and working material to make these commission paintings and to make these prints were brought together in a very short space of time in August 1972. He came to Adelaide really for one week and in that time, he travelled up to Loxton and Renmark with um, John Bailey, who was the director of the Art Gallery and also um, involved with the Festival Centre and John Bailey was instrumental in giving Fred Williams this commission. And we have uh, Fred Williams' diaries, uh, well we don't have them, but uh, in his diaries he records um, that visit and really it was in such a short space of time and we know that for instance on the 24th of August no well let's take it back the 21st of August that year he arrived in Adelaide the following day he went to the festival center and he surveyed the walls and and where he was going to be putting these murals the next day he came and met with John Bailey and then the next day they he and Fred and Lynn and John Bailey uh, drove up to Loxton and they arrived there at four o'clock in the afternoon. But he, was, he records in his diary that he was tired, but they walked around and he was fascinated by the country, the country that he saw there, particularly the sand cliffs of many colours. The following day, uh, when they were staying at a particular motel there, he spent all day outside the motel working on uh, acrylic paintings and at the end of that day, that, so that was one full day of working in the landscape, uh, he was able to look at what he'd produced that day. He, um, he put them back on panels in the motel. The following day was probably the most important day when they went on a houseboat from Renmark. <coughs> And he talks about them being afloat by 9am and going um, about seven miles upstream. So they would uh, stop in one location for a while, then go up another mile upstream and stop and do more work. So for that day, he produced seven gouaches. It was a very long day. And he was totally fascinated by this landscape and the cliffs he described as marvellous to paint, the red cliffs. Then the following day, uh, he left uh, Loxton and went to Robinvale, and then uh, the next day headed back to Melbourne. So it was a very, very short trip, but very productive. (coughs) What we have from the trip are some of the photographs and these are some of the additional treasures that I've got from um, the paper store today and this one here, I hope you can see, it shows, it's a photograph by John Bailey and it shows Fred Williams, I don't know if we can lift this, um, no there's no one, just, um, can we make it a bit higher, yeah. Um I Fred Williams' painting on the houseboat at Renmark in gouaches, in gouache. Now gouache was a method that he often used when he was working on location because it's, are you all familiar with what gouache is as a medium? It's, it's a bit like um, watercolour but it's opaque. It's, so it dries quickly, it can be worked very quickly and he can get the colour down um, straight away. So hopefully you can see there, he's working on a number of gouaches on the one sheet of paper. And this was a method um, that he, he was using in his landscapes from the early 1970s which he describes as strip landscapes. Landscapes. and later on he would have masking tape across there and later on he'd take the masking tape off and you end up with three distinct gouache landscapes there. I don't have any of the gouaches that I can show you, unfortunately, um, but they became the basis for both the paintings and the prints. Here's another example of him working not on the river but in the landscape near Loxton uh, working on his gouaches. And, yeah, can I put this one up? Thank you. This um, incredible photo is a panoramic photo by John Bailey which shows, again, um, Fred here working on those same three gouaches that we saw in the other photograph. He's on the houseboat. There's Lynn Williams just on the bank there and this expanse of the Murray River. There's one more I want to show you which is a photograph that's taken by Fred himself and it's the landscape up there, uh, not the river landscape but the flat landscape up there. So here we have the beginnings of the story, the photographs, the gouaches and the paintings. What we know from the finished paintings is that he interspersed his Murray um, River panels with uh, two other, no, three other panels. He, um, he put some Queenscliff landscapes, Glass House Mountain landscapes as well that all fitted into this um, strip landscape. But the etchings themselves... In this instance, they came after the paintings. So, the etchings were started just in March 1973, so in the final months when he was working on the paintings. And there was no um, necessity to create create these etchings, but he wanted to explore the landscape further in this um, form. And there's a great difference between the paintings and the etchings And I've spent time this morning trying to match the paintings with the particular etchings, and it's very difficult. And, well, I think I've eventually got there, but it's, it's such a different experience of the landscape. As you're seeing those paintings go around, I think there's something where you can see, I guess the blue gives you a hint where you have water uh, there's the earth colours of the land. In the, in the etchings, the land and the water seem to join together a lot more and become more ambiguous. But what you do get is this sense of vastness. The detail of the landscape is, is paired right back and you just see this vast sense of Distance flat landscape, it reminds me somewhat of the Dutch landscapes of the 17th century where they were looking for the first time at the flat Dutch landscape, although the Dutch landscape was always peopled with, you know, little cottages and people. There's no people, it's very minimal, very um, essential landscapes. And there's a sense of shimmering quality too here and haze, I think, when you have an opportunity to have a look very closely. The story of the etchings is that Fred started to work on these and he was very excited and he was um, working away on his own on these and... um, Sorry, I just have to turn the page. He made proofs of plates in that year but he simply didn't have time to finish the editions. So these etchings actually changed and sat there and he worked... I mean, one of the things about his etchings is he would rework them, but he he did a bit of reworking over a 12-month period and eventually he employed another artist, John Robinson, who was based in Melbourne, a painter and printmaker, to print the works. And that was done uh, in 1974. Again, his, Fred's diary entries indicate um, his approach to etching here. He, he, in, his, in the past, he had used a lot of aquatint in his etchings. Aquatint is a tonal process, um, which is very common, and Goya had used aquatint a lot. But for these works, he made a conscious decision that he wasn't going to use anything that was aquatint. Instead, to create some of these areas of tone here, he used um, a tool called a roulette wheel. And he used that into into the etching ground and was able to create this sense of texture and tone without using um, aquatint. Now, I just want to give you a couple of quotes from Fred when he was working on, when he started. So this is the 20th of March, 1973. He said, I start working on the etching plates. A much better day and I get a reasonable amount done. I will etch them tomorrow. So in the first day that he's working, he's covering them with uh, acid-resistant ground and then he's starting to make marks into that uh, acid-resistant ground with the roulette wheel and with an an etching needle and then he's planning then to put those plates in the acid the following day. He says, I am toying with the idea of getting someone to print the plates but I always feel happier doing them myself. I, I cannot get used to the idea of anyone doing the printing of the etchings simply because I never feel the plates are finished and I work on them after each printing. So I shall discard the idea of getting someone to print them. And he says, after two days, I'm getting very interested in the etchings for the first time in perhaps five years. I will not again use aquatint, but will do it with a roulette, etc. and I'd like to do some pure line drawings as well. So they were his uh, words right at the beginning, and as, as I've said, he got beaten by time, and he did... Uh, He he stuck to his no aquatint rule, but he did have assistance to print them. (coughs) Sorry. And he arranged um, for John Robinson to come to the studio every Thursday, and they worked quite intensely uh, over that time. He talks about in his diaries sometimes... They'd do a lot of work on one Thursday, and then the following Thursday he would say to John, no, that was all no good, we're going to reprint that one again. It's hard, it's hard until you have something to compare with to know exactly um, how printing... If you think of when photographs used to be printed and you could print a light photograph or a dark photograph, printing etchings is, a, is quite similar in that the amount of ink you leave on the plate the way you wipe the plate gives a very individual um, appearance to a particular uh, etching. And in these, he was keen on um, wiping the plates very clean. He had this very blank sky and he got a buffer machine which he used for the first time and was very pleased with. A just to finish, I'd just like to leave um, up an image of the actual paintings, and I've marked which print relates to which painting. And I think it would be good when you have a chance to come up and have a look. I'll just wait for at, at the way that one landscape can be represented across two different media. So for instance, here, this one here, this painting becomes the print here. I think you can see in the painting, there's a lot more trees and vegetation. We also also saw that in the photograph. Here is just very minimal um, representation of any vegetation. And it really becomes, I think what happens with Fred Williams when he's working on his prints is he gets engrossed in the prints. He's he's removed from the landscape, he's got that distance from the landscape and he's making art. And he's making, you know, beautiful essential, minimal works of art in a printmaking form. It doesn't matter that they don't look like the painting anymore. They've evolved and they're they make their own statement but i think it's it's good if you know i'll, I'll finish in uh, at this point i think and allow you to come and have a look and look at the difference between individual works and their prints